0: As we continue our journey through the Old Testament, we now find ourselves in the book of Deuteronomy, and tonight is going to be an introduction. Um, I think it would be good just to spend a a night on an introduction to the book of Deuteronomy, and so uh, congregation, meet Deuteronomy, (laughs) Deuteronomy, meet the congregation. No, introductions are important because, you know, you don't just kind of burst into, you know, whatever it is, a working relationship. Or you don't usually just burst into whatever it is, a conversation. Usually there's some type of introduction to prepare you for that relationship. And that's what we're going to do tonight. And I believe uh, as we have this opportunity to be introduced to the book of Deuteronomy, that in a few weeks when we study it, because, again, next week we have Estherlin, The week after that I'll be in Mexico um, you'll have a couple of weeks to be able to maybe even read the whole book because the book of Deuteronomy is a powerful book. You know, I don't know if you guys knew this, but there's four Old Testament books that are most often quoted by the early church. Most people recognize the book of Psalms as one of them. Uh, the book of Genesis is another. Uh, the third book is the book of Isaiah. But the fourth most quoted book in the Old Testament by the early church, is the book of Deuteronomy. You know, when we see the Lord Jesus Christ tempted by the devil himself in Matthew chapter 4, you guys know that Jesus pulled out the sword and he began to swing it, right? But he used a specific portion of that sword. He used three times the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is a powerful book, and I believe that as we study it together, That God has this opportunity to change our life. Now looking at Deuteronomy, most of you know that the human agent slash writer of the book of Deuteronomy is Moses. And when you think about it, in all reality, the book of Deuteronomy is his final words right before he dies. Maybe even on his final day. It's kind of an interesting thing. When you read through the book of Deuteronomy, 22 times he says this day, this day, this day. Now, we know for sure from beginning to end, there was a month as far as time frame goes. But we also know that when Moses died, they mourned for a month. And so there is a very strong possibility that Moses in one day spoke the book of Deuteronomy. You know, I was talking to my son about this and he's all, Dad, how can it be? And I said, well, maybe he wrote it. And he read it to the people. I don't know for sure, but I know that this book right here is Moses' final words. I don't know about you, but I love to hear final words, don't you? From guys who really love God, guys who have lived the life, and from the edge of eternity, there they are speaking their final words. And there they are on the edge, think about it, they have that beautiful perspective of beyond. And they share with us the things that God lays on their heart. You know, when you read the Bible, we have many final words. For example, you can read Joshua's final words in the 23rd and 24th chapter of the book of Joshua. When you read it, you find that they're words about the word of God. They're words of warning to the people of God. Final words are very powerful. You can also read David's final words in the Bible. You read David's final words to his son Solomon in which he commands him to do what? To obey God. To obey God and to do what's necessary to establish the kingdom of God. It's interesting. You read in 1 Kings chapter 2, and verse 2, he said to Solomon this, I go the way of all the earth, be strong therefore, and prove yourself a man. I don't know about you, but when I realized that those are final words, they're very formal words, they're very powerful words. You can read Joshua, you can read David. You can read men like David in the book of um, 2 Samuel 23. Also, Paul's final words, if you read the four chapters of the book of 2 Timothy I just love what he says in verse 7 and 8 of chapter 4. He says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He says, on that day that God will give to me and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You know, I just think that's awesome when you see the final words of all these men. And of course, most precious of all, you can read Jesus' final words, you know, and it's kind of an interesting thing. That's a little different. Some will look at John chapter 13 through 16 in his discourse to his disciples, emphasizing there, if you think about it, in his final words, how they should love one another, how they should serve one another. How they would be hated by the world when they make a stand for Jesus Christ. He shares there in his final words the importance of prayer, the importance of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, even when you think of Jesus' final words at the crucifixion, when he said, It is finished, or his final words at the ascension, when he said, Go and give the gospel. To me, when I think of final words, I think they're formal words. And whenever they come from the lips of a life who really loved the Lord, they're usually words that can change our life. And that's what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. It really is. And may we not forget that these are the final formal words of the man named Moses, and God gave him a message. It's interesting. It's a series, some say, of three sermons by this man, Moses, to the people that he loved all those years, to the people that he led all that way right there to the brink of the promised land. Deuteronomy is a series of sermons which took place on what may have been Moses' last day of life right before he exited time and entered eternity. Think about that just for a moment. What would you say on your last day? What would you say if you were just about to die? Well, we will see as we study the book together that Moses had an incredible message. As a matter of fact, some say that the book of Deuteronomy was so incredible that it was Jesus' favorite book because he quoted from it most often. You know, there were four books in the early church, Genesis, Psalms, Isaiah, and Deuteronomy, And Deuteronomy is one that is quoted by the church over and over again. You know, I know it's one of my favorite books, and that's why I'm really excited. I've never taught through it, but um, I'm really looking forward to it. William McDonald said this, Our Lord Jesus Christ was tempted by Satan for 40 days and nights in the wilderness. Three of these temptations are specifically recounted in the Gospels for our spiritual benefit. And as we look at it, we see not only did Christ use the Old Testament sword of the spirit three times, but each time he used the same part of the blade, Deuteronomy. He said this, it is likely that this book was one of Jesus' favorites. And when I think about that, I think probably it should be one of our favorites as well. Now, looking at the book of Deuteronomy, many of you know that the book is the final book of the five books of the Pentateuch. We have uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. They're also known by the law. Some call it the Torah. The Jews sometimes call it the five-fifths of the law. They also call it Hadib HaRim, which means the words, or Mishnah HaTorah, which means repetition of the law. The English title Deuteronomy comes from a Greek word which means second law. And much of what we study in Deuteronomy, you'll see, will be repeated material from other portions of the Pentateuch. Like I shared with you guys before, right? Repeated so we won't be defeated, right? I mean, we need to hear it over and over and over again. Repeated so we won't be defeated. Final formal words. Why? So they wouldn't forget. As a matter of fact, a lot of people call the book of Deuteronomy... The book of remembrance. And we're going to see some beautiful things that God really wants us to remember. You know, and I just looking at that, you guys, I think that's such an important principle for us to consider. Because I think a large part of the congregation, or I should say the church as a whole, is not struggling due to ignorance. They're struggling due to defiance. I think for most of the church, it's usually not that we don't know or haven't heard before. It's usually because we just won't do what God has already told us to do. And that's why when you look at the book of Deuteronomy, it's not like profoundly new, but it is profoundly true. And I don't know about you, but I really need God to tell me things over and over again because it's kind of like a sledgehammer, you know, it gets hit, boom, and it goes down a certain way and it gets hit again and again until finally one day after numerous repetitions of God's word to my heart, it finally sinks in the way that it's supposed to. You see, as Christians, we are supposed to be living a radically different life. As Christians, we are supposed to be lights in the darkness going against the grain. That everything we think, every word we speak, every act we make, every contemplation, every conversation, every occupation, every recreation is all for God. And the book of Deuteronomy, I think, calls the people to that. You know, the book of Deuteronomy we see is a vessel in which God reminds us who he is. He reminds us who we are. God reminds us how much he loves us. And he reminds us of the laws that he gives to his people. That if we submit to those laws of love, his command of complete consecration, that there will be built-in blessings. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist. And you don't have to get your degree at some theological university to understand the plain and simple truth that God blesses obedience. And that disobedience will mar and ruin and destroy your life. And that's what we need to remember. But if we forget these things out of sight, out of mind... Out of heart, then we will be out of the will of God and out of the sphere of blessing. Now, some people wonder, why is things going bad in my life and why you know is it not happening, man and it's not you know real hard to figure out because you're not living the life. you're not in the word, you're not in prayer, you're not in fellowship. a lot of times that's what's going on. And the things that God's already told you to do there at your house or over there at your work or even here in the church, you're not doing it. And so God calls his people to do what? To just obey. And that's what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. And so Moses here, just as any proper prophet with that perspective, there he is on the edge of eternity He looks back after having lived an incredible 120 years of life. He's been in Egypt. He's had it all. He's been in the wilderness, humbled to the lowest points. He's been used by God. He's seen everything. And this man tells the congregation, it's very simple. You just got to do what God tells you to do. As any prophet prophet would do, Moses repeats. He reminds the people. He cares so much for the congregation. And so in looking at Deuteronomy, his words are passionate and his words are powerful. As I said earlier, some say that Deuteronomy consists of three sermons. The first begins in chapter 1, verse 1. The second begins in chapter 4, verse 44. And the third begins in chapter 27, verse 1. I mean, you kind of look at it real real quick. Look what it says in verse 1. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan, in the wilderness, in the plain opposite Suf, between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. Now, when you look at this, these are the words that Moses spoke. It says on the plains of the Jordan, just across from Jericho. Right there on the brink of the promised land. There's the first sermon. It begins there. And then if you go over to chapter four, if you would, we see the beginning of the second sermon in chapter four in verse 44. Where it says, now this is the law which Moses set before the children of Israel. And so again, the first sermon is the words which Moses spoke to all Israel The second sermon is the law which Moses set before the children of Israel. And the third sermon is over in chapter 27. In verse one, it says, now Moses with the elders of Israel commanded the people saying, keep all the commandments which I command you today. And so there's the three sections. There's the beginning of the three sermons. Because a lot of people will look at the book of Deuteronomy and they don't really see the big picture. They don't see how it's laid out. And I think it's very helpful to have these understandings. Now, the first sermon or the first section consists of what God has done. And when you read the first chapters, we're going to see that it's an amazing thing. He just kind of looks back. The second section consists of what God expected of Israel. And then the final section consists of what God will do. And, it, you know, again, you read it and it's very simple. When you read the last section right there, what will God do? And that's a good question for us today. What's God going to do? What is God going to do in your life? Well, it's dependent on what you're going to do. <laughs> Are you going to obey or are you going to kick against the goats? Are you going to go God's way or your way? Is your plan better than God's plan? Is your way better than God's way? And if you go God's way, then what will God do? Well, I'm telling you right now, and I'm not a prophet. I'm not this guy with great spiritual insight, but I do know this, that God will bless your life. If you go God's way, He will bless your life. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, and I'm not going to say that you know it's just you know, a rose garden or anything, but I know He'll bless you and He'll give you peace, no matter what the problem. And he'll give you joy for the journey. and he'll give you love for your life. But see, you've got to do things God's way. The first section here in Deuteronomy is historical. The second section is legal and the third section is prophetical. And it's so simple. When you read it, it all lays out really easy. You know, and it's good to know that when you study the book of Deuteronomy. Now, another thing that's very important to know as you study the book of Deuteronomy is that it is a covenant renewal document. And it uses the same format as Near Eastern treaties in the time of Moses. Now, when you look at covenants and some of you here, maybe you're a legal secretary or maybe you're, I don't know, a notary republic or whatever it is. Uh, Most of us here are kind of familiar with contracts And covenants and you've signed your life away on that dotted line sometimes, right? Well, that's kind of what this is all about as well. It's not just random. It's not just a whole bunch of verses slapped together. It's not just kind of like chapter after chapter. No, this is a formal covenant. Between the Creator and His congregation. And just, you know, as a side note, that's the way it's always been. There has been a covenant. And you study the Bible, there's different covenants. God had a covenant with the nation of Israel. In the book of Deuteronomy, it lays it all out. Just as with any contract of those days, number one, there was a preamble. They call it a preamble. And then what that is is a list of parties making the treaty. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, we see that. After that, there's a historical prologue. And what that is, is the benevolent dealings of the king with the people. And we see that in chapter 1, verse 6, all the way to chapter 4, verse 43. After that, they have what's called stipulations, and that is the conditions of the covenant. You know, and we see that all the way from chapter 20, uh verse 4 chapter 4 verse 44 to 26 19 then after that there's the ratification so to speak this is when they signed it in chapter 27 through 30 they said everybody stand up okay repeat after me I you know and you, you state your name so what you're you know you're making that covenant and it's the cursings and the blessings and they spoke them out loud and then after that they have what's called the continuity and that is provisions for maintaining the covenant you know you enter into that covenant with the lord that's what the children of israel did but unfortunately when you read their story they didn't maintain it and there's a lot of us here and you know we've all kind of given our life to the lord and i just thank god for that day that you decided to follow jesus but you got to abide in him you got to remain in him you got to rest in him you know the children of israel and you guys know the story they didn't they didn't remain huh you know, when you read Deuteronomy, it was so cool what Moses told them to do. And then you read the book of Joshua and they went into the land and they and they got the land, you know, to a certain extent. But after a couple of generations passed away, you read the book of Judges and they no longer served the Lord. They went their own way. And, you know, we're reading the book of Judges for those of you guys who are going through the Bible. And, um, you know, we just finished it up. Um, and it's just a sad testimony. And God really spoke to my heart. The description of the book of Judges, it says this. It says, there was no king in Israel. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own sight. And I was just thinking, Lord, that is the way it is Today that they haven't crowned you as king of their life. You know, we sang a song today, and it really spoke to me about about letting God reign over our life. You know, we are in the kingdom of God. Did you guys know that? You're in the kingdom of God, and when there's a kingdom, there's a king. And the king wants to rule over your life. But instead, what do they do? Everybody does what's right in their own sight and that's the way it is today huh so many in the world and so many in the church are just doing what's right in their own sight they're thinking what they want to think they're saying what they want to say how they want to say it tones of voice cutting people down i mean you name it they're they're deciding what they want to buy what they want to do i mean i encourage you if you can come to the study on saturday you know, about money and, and, you know, materialism and things like that. You know, God is, is king over your pennies, over your purchases. He's Lord of your life. But a lot of times, unfortunately, we, we don't realize we have a covenant, man. That That's what it's all about. Here we see in the book of Deuteronomy that the children of Israel, they entered into a covenant with the Lord. And, you know, I think for us as Christians, it really hits home because it's imperative for us to remember, to remind ourselves, you guys, that we as Christians are covenant Christians, just as they had the old covenant. We now have the new covenant. If you remember, first Corinthians 11:25, it says in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so it's encouraging to me. It's, uh, it's important for us to know that this is a formal decision that we've made. Uh, we have signed our life away. We have a covenant. We are in a covenant with our Creator. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses ratifies the covenant. And in the book of Deuteronomy, we have his final words. It's his last message. Three sermons there on the brink of the promised land, an absolutely binding agreement between the Almighty and his people. As a matter of fact, maybe if you go over to Deuteronomy chapter 27, look what it says in verse 9. 27 verse 9. It says, Then Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. And I don't know, most of you here have surrendered your life. Maybe some of you here haven't fully surrendered your life. But there's a day when you enter into that covenant and you say, This day You give your life to him, that you become the people of God. And so I'm really excited about this, man. And like I said, I've never taught Deuteronomy. And so I don't know if that's good or bad, you know. But I do have a firm feeling that the final words of Moses, as we study it together, will find themselves to be fresh in our hearts. And so today is just an introduction to prepare us for it. You know, One other thing that I thought might be important for us to prepare for the book of Deuteronomy is back in chapter 1, if you would, look at verse 1. It says, these are the words which Moses spoke. Okay, so for the next two weeks, okay, I'm not going to beat you up if you don't do it, okay? I'm not. I'll still love you a little bit, I promise, man. (laughs) But for the next two weeks... Um, add this to your Bible reading. Don't let it invade your devotional time, but I want to challenge you to read the book of Deuteronomy, okay? And, uh, and as you go through it, look for key words. These are the words which Moses spoke. Because I think when you look at the key words, it helps you to remember the theme of the book. One key word to remember is the word Remember, <laughs> remember. Okay, When you read Deuteronomy, it's found 14 times in the book of Deuteronomy. Watch if you go over to chapter 5, verse 15. It says, And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand, by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You know, a lot of times Christians have problems living in the land because they forgot where they came from. The same God that brought you out of Egypt will bring you into the land. The same God that flexed his muscles and defeated all the gods of the world of that day is on your side. That's the God who set you free. And I don't know if you remember, man, sometimes we forget... You know, it's been so long, maybe since we've been a Christian, that we were addicted to drugs. That we were, you know, unable to stop drinking. We were unable to stop, you know, the... uh, What's that word, man? The scandalous lifestyle that we lived. But God set us free. And so, you read Deuteronomy, he says, you know, remember, remember. Over in chapter 7... Verse 18, he says, you shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Remember, we're talking about the beginning stages and God throughout the book of Deuteronomy is going to show them what he's done for them. And here you are today. And what are you facing now? What's going on in your life now? What are the challenges today? Well, no matter what it is, God says, remember what I've done. What he's done in your life. You need to build altars. You need to remember that. And what he's done in the life and the history of the church. He, we just got done celebrating the fact that he conquered death. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No way, right? Over in chapter 8, verse 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you. To know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. He's just over and over again, he talks about remembering. In verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God. I like that. (laughs) Just remember him. I think a lot of times, and sometimes I hear people say things in such a way, and it it could be so many different things, and I'm like, man, I guess they don't remember that God is listening to them. That God is, you know, hearing the, the way they mistreat their. You know, whatever it is, their friends, their co-workers, their children. God is there. Remember God. Remember him. Probably one of my favorite ones in the whole remember things over in chapter 9, verse 7. He says, remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious. Against the Lord. And it's a warning. It's like remember. Remember you blew it. Big time. And you got disciplined big time. Remember that. So what? So that you don't do it again. You know as one individual said. A a philosopher. George Santayana. He said those who cannot remember the past. Are condemned to repeat it. And you're going to do it again. And you're going to do it again. And you're going to do it again unless you remember. And So that's one of the words that's found often in the book of Deuteronomy. As you read it over the next couple of weeks, you'll find that. Another word that's found often in the book of Deuteronomy is the word love. Love loves loved. It's found 25 times in the book. And the emphasis is on God's love in this book. And it's incredible. You know, it's kind of interesting. As you study the book of Deuteronomy, you're going to see love many times. Um, Many times it has that real concrete foundation in God's love, and we're going to see that. But most of the time, it's a commandment to love God in return. As a matter of fact, most of you probably know Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the the, the Shema, Shema. And remember what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 3. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you. Uh, Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You know, to love him is the command, the greatest commandment of all. But remember that 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says we love him. Why? Because he loved us first. He busted the move first, right? He loves us. And so we need to love him back. As a matter of fact, we'll look real quick at a few of those verses. If you go back to chapter 4, verse 37... It says, and because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power. You guys never forget that it all began with God's love. If you go over to chapter seven, if you would, in verse seven, it says, the Lord did not set his love on you because you're so beautiful, you know, The Lord did not set his love on you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand. You know, it all began with God's love for us, something that we never, ever earned, we've never, ever merited. It starts in God's love for us. If you go over to chapter 10, look at what it says in verse 15. The Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them. And he chose their descendants after them. You notice above all peoples as it is this day. If you go over to chapter 23, and you see this throughout the book, but I just want to give you a few examples. Deuteronomy 23, In verse 5, it says, Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. And so when you read the book of Deuteronomy, you're going to see God just rooting everything in his love for the people, his love for you, his love for us. But, and we don't have time to look at all these verses, over and over again, More frequently, we find God's call for us to love him in return. And if you love God, what does that do to your life? How do you know that someone loves God? Is it because they have this fuzzy feeling in their stomach? Oh, that's how I love God. Is that how you know you love God? Is it because you say you love God? Is that what it is? Is it because you go to church? Is it because you're religious? What does it mean or how does it show when an individual really loves God. And you guys know, huh? Obeying, obedience, obedience. Obedience. <laughs> he said, if you love me, keep my commands. And so we're learning the basics, you guys. The basics. You know, the word remember, the word love, the word heart is found fifty three times. Fifty three times. Because God wants to meddle with the middle, right? He wants to handle the heart. He wants to, you know, tinker with the ticker like one person told me, man. I mean, he's not playing games. You know, I was reading today, my devotional reading, I think it was Luke chapter 11, about the Pharisees and how they were so externally religious, so sickening to God. God wants your heart. He doesn't want just some superficial commitment. He wants you to love like he loves. To live, to be merciful. You know, there in Luke 11, he talks about how these people, they tithe even of their mint and their anise, you know, their, their herb garden. They gave the 10% and they thought that was so cool. And God says, but you, you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, like justice and mercy. I mean, how much mercy has God shown you? And we need to extend that to others. God will deal with the heart. God doesn't see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And that's why we were, we, were, we were singing that song today, Create in me a clean heart. Man, pray that prayer. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23, right? God can enlarge our heart. God can purify our heart. You'll see that over and over again in Deuteronomy because God's not playing games. God's not playing church. Don't try to please me or any other person. Because I think sometimes people try to do that. They you know, they put on a show when they go to church. Try to please God, the one who sees everything, the one who hears everything. Another very important word that you see in the book of Deuteronomy is the word hear or heed it's found 50 times in the book how god wants them to hear the word and you guys are here hearing the word and that's cool but then after that the uh the hebrew verbs to do it or to keep it or to observe it are found 177 times you know last time i read it i counted man (laughs) thank god for computers So God says, hear it. And that's cool. We do need to hear it. You you know, I'm so so blessed to see you here on a Thursday night. I really am. To study the book of Deuteronomy. As you continue to study the Old Testament, you'll never be sorry. You know, and God says, hear it 50 times. But 177 times, he says, do it. And, you know, a lot of people, myself included, sometimes we think that we've done it. We've, you know, kind of completed the job by hearing the Bible study and even thinking, oh, that was a pretty cool Bible study. But, man, that's not even completing the job. No, the Bible says we need to be doers of the word as well and not just hearers, deceiving ourselves. And so that's only the beginning. And you'll see that in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses, as he's there With his final words, his formal words, on the edge of eternity, on the brink of the promised land. One of the most amazing men that has ever lived with an amazing message. You're going to see as we study it together. He knew what he was talking about. And he knew how important it was, not just to hear it, but to do it. You know, another word that you'll see over and over again in the book of Deuteronomy is the word land. The word land or the word possess or possession. Because the way it works is like, is like this. You know, as Christians, God has brought us out of Egypt. But now there is a land to live in. And as you go out and as you take steps of faith and as you live life of obedience to God, then you will enjoy the land that was intended for you to live in. The place in the body of Christ where you will bring glory to God. There's a lot of people, unfortunately, they they have the land. It's there just waiting for them. But they won't go in and step into the land to claim it by faith and to live a life of obedience. And so the book of Deuteronomy is just constantly talking a hundred times. Think about that over and over and over again about the land. The land of what we call victorious Christian living. Not a perfect life, but a proper life. A life that God wants us to live. You may be here thinking, well, no, not me. Yes, you. Because if you're a Christian, then God lives inside of you. And you can have victory one day at a time. You know, Warren Wisby said, the nation owned the land by God's grace and possessed the land by God's power But they could not enjoy the land until they obeyed God's word. When the nations disobeyed God, God chastened them in the land. That's the book of Judges. And when they persisted in their disobedience, God took them out of the land. And you read that. They went into the captivity in Babylon. And so the land that God wants you to live in, the place that you're supposed to be placed in, is what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. You know, the book of Deuteronomy, obviously we're going to see it. It has tons of truth. But essentially, and in all reality, it can solemnly and simply be summed up. I think if we go over to Deuteronomy chapter 5, one guy said in three verbs that we see here in chapter 5. It says in verse one, and Moses called all Israel and said to them, hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments, which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. And in one sense, this is kind of like the summary, the simplicity of Deuteronomy. Chapter five, verse one, there's three verbs. Number one hear. Hear the word of God. Number two, learn. Learn the word of God. And then number three, live. Live the word of God. You know, we belong to God, therefore, we should behave for God, that we may enter the land and that we might enjoy the land. Now, one thing that's kind of interesting, and in closing, I'll mention this. You know, Moses gives us a message from his lips. Because there's a message in his life, and that is this, that Moses did not enter the land. Moses did not enter the land, because he himself disobeyed God. Now you read the story in Numbers chapter 20, where God told Moses to speak to the rock, and in disobedient defiance, he struck the rock Misrepresented God, and therefore, even though he was such a meek man and a faithful servant, he did not enter the land. He misrepresented God, and therefore, we see that God took him before he could go in. And for us as Christians, I think that's a lesson, man, to really take to heart. That God would give us that simple understanding. You know, I thank God that heaven you know, is just such a simple thing. It's by faith we believe, we receive, and, you know, we're, we're going to make it to heaven because of that. But now, you know, bringing heaven to earth and making a difference in the world that we live in, you know, that right there is something that now we need to aggressively cooperate with God in. And as we do that, as we surrender every life, every area of our life, you know, and the Holy Spirit will be specific in your life. I know for me, it means so many things for me. It means, you know, what I eat. I have to surrender that to God for me. It means how I treat my wife. I've got to surrender that to God. You know, for me, it means uh, so many things in my life Uh, as a family man as a ministry man, wanting God to do a work in the lives of those that he's entrusted to my care. Uh, For me, you know, it has its certain elements of boundaries that I have to make between me and those of the opposite sex. And that invades every area of my life, the things I look at, the things that I say, text messages, emails, phone calls, everything is brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. For me, I know it means the way I treat my son, the way I treat my daughter, the way I pray, the way I read my Bible, the way I live my life, the way I drive. I mean, you name it. For me, I think of the things that I struggle with. And for me, I realize this, that things have to change. And I have a feeling that the Holy Spirit will be specific with you. And he'll tell you the same thing. As you live this life of obedience, and he's already been, you know, putting his finger on whatever it is, that you've got to now begin to live that life in response to what God is saying. You know, we're not going to go anywhere else. We're not going to get any farther until we learn this simple truth that he is king. He is king. And we must do what is right in his sight. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. I thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to study the book of Deuteronomy together. Lord, um, as Moses was about to die, he said to the children of Israel, you got to obey the Lord. You got to know how much he loves you. And you got to know how we are called to love him back. And so, Lord, I pray that as we begin this study and as we read it through the next couple of weeks, that you would really speak to our hearts and that you would change our lives. Father, I do thank you for everyone here. And just that step of faith in coming tonight, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would have met them and that you will just uh, remind us and even empower us. Your word is a, a working word. It's a living word. Lord, to just really, truly, totally surrender to you. Again, we thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to be your children, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, for everyone here, Lord, that you bless them abundantly and that you would use their life for your great glory. Again, thank you, Lord. And we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.